text for this morning's sermon is taken from John 21, the verses 15 to 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this morning we are privileged to receive six new office bearers from the hand of the Lord. Through the election of the congregation, the appointment of consistory, they're here before us this morning. God has called them to serve among us. They will be making vows, promising to faithfully discharge the duties of their offices. Before we come to the ordination, it's good for us to look at what Jesus Christ expects from those who serve in his church. I think that most of us have a pretty good idea of what the tasks of elder and deacon involve. Elders are to have supervision over Christ's church, guiding and directing us so we conduct ourselves properly in doctrine and life. They are to faithfully visit us in our homes to comfort, instruct, and admonish us with the word of God. They are to exercise discipline against those who show themselves to be unbelieving and ungodly and who refuse to repent. They are to guard the pulpit, to protect the congregation from false teaching, and to assist the ministers of the word with their good counsel and advice. Deacons are to promote the good functioning of the communion of saints, that we may live in love and in unity together. They are to acquaint themselves with existing needs and to exhort us to show mercy. They are to gather and manage the offerings and distribute them in Christ's name according to need. They are to comfort and encourage those who are sick or lonely or distressed or needy with the promises of God's word. They are to ensure no one lives uncomforted among us. 
while we may be familiar with the specific duties involved with serving as elder or deacon, this is not the heart of the matter. To get to that, we need to know who Jesus Christ is and how much he loves us. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd of his flock, the church. He loved us so much that he laid down his life for us. He calls office bearers in the church to serve as his under-shepherds. To do that, our office bearers need to be in the right relationship with Jesus Christ. If they are to be of any help to us, they need to love and to follow Christ themselves. We see this from our text. In it, the Lord Jesus addresses Peter, and with him, the other disciples. Peter was a disciple who had said, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Yet that very night, when Jesus was betrayed into the hands of sinful men, Peter denied knowing Jesus three times. In our text, we see the Lord Jesus calling Peter back into a relationship with him. We see Jesus calling Peter to serve as one of his apostles. Soon, Jesus would ascend into heaven. Peter and the other disciples will have to take care of Christ's sheep. Thus, Christ calls them to truly love and follow him. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. The good shepherd ensures that you, his sheep, will be taken care of. He provides under-shepherds who love him and who follow him. Our text this morning is taken from the last chapter of John's Gospel. It details the Lord Jesus' interaction with Peter and some of the other disciples on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. John 21 verse 14 tells us that this was the third time Jesus was revealed to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. The first time was on the evening of his resurrection, when Jesus suddenly appeared among them, though the doors were locked. The second time was eight days later. This time, Thomas was also among the disciples, and he confessed Jesus as, my Lord and my God. On the previous occasions, Jesus met with his disciples on a Sunday evening, but this time he met with them during the week. On a working day, Peter and some of the other disciples had gone fishing. All night they caught nothing. As day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not know that it was him. He asked if they had caught any fish. They said no. Jesus told them to cast their net on the right side of the boat, promising they would find some. When they cast the net, they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. John understood that it was Jesus standing on the shore, and he told Peter. Peter jumped overboard in his eagerness to go and meet with Jesus. On the seashore, Jesus had prepared breakfast. He'd built a charcoal fire and cooked fish and had bread with it. He told them to bring some more of the fish they had just caught. John tells us none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew 
it was the Lord. After eating, Jesus got down to business. He had a definite purpose in meeting with his disciples that day. Jesus reveals what was on his heart by asking a question. He said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. To whom does Jesus address his question? To Simon Peter. Peter was the de facto leader among the disciples. Along with James and John, Peter was part of the small inner circle that was closest to the Lord Jesus. They had seen Christ transfigured before them. Jesus' face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as light. Moses and Elijah appeared to them. And God had spoken from the clouds saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Peter was often loud and brash. He said what was on his mind. He wore his heart on his sleeve. On the night when there was a great storm at sea and when Jesus came to them walking on the water, it was Peter who said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. When Christ asked his disciples who they thought he was, it was Peter who responded, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was often spokesman for the rest of the disciples. So why does Jesus ask Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Part of the reason was that Peter had denied Jesus. He had denied that he was one of Jesus' disciples. We know that Peter was isolated when he said that. He was in the courtyard of the high priest, checking out to see what the chief priests and elders were going to do with Jesus. He was surrounded by people who wanted to put Jesus to death. Peter was afraid for his own life. It might not go well for him if he identified with Jesus, who was on trial. Yet the fact remains, Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times. You might think that after such a betrayal, Peter would no longer have a place among Christ's disciples. Perhaps the right thing for Jesus to do would be to allow Peter to go back to his fishing nets, to resume his career as a fisherman. Or at least you would think that Jesus would not put Peter back into a leadership position among his disciples. But Jesus did not discard Peter. He did not push him aside. For every one of his denials, Peter must now answer one of Jesus' questions. In each of the questions, Jesus asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And when Peter affirms his love for Jesus, he restores Peter to office. Beloved, there's several things we learn from this. One is that 
The offices in the church are not filled by perfect men. Perfection is not one of the qualifications for office listed in 1 Timothy 3. The men who will be ordained to office this morning are all flawed men. They've all had moments of weakness when they failed to follow Christ. In each of their lives, they've done things they're ashamed of. When they reflect on their lives, they see that there are also things they should have done that they neglected to do. We are all sinful people in need of God's grace in our lives. Do you know why Jesus could show his grace to Peter? And why this man who had committed a grievous sin could be restored to office in Christ's church? It was because Peter recognized his sin and because he repented of it. Please remember what happened after Peter denied Jesus for the third time. In fulfillment of what Jesus had said, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Jesus showed Peter grace because he was truly sorry for his sins and he repented from them. The same applies today. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Beloved, we need to examine a little more closely the first question that Jesus asked Peter when sitting around the fire on the seashore. Jesus did not just ask him, do you love me? Jesus asked Simon, son of John, do you love me? More than these. What does Jesus mean by more than these? Some suggest that Jesus was asking if Peter loved Jesus more than the other disciples did. Others suggest Jesus was asking if Peter loved Jesus more than he loved the other disciples. Yet neither of these suggestions fully capture what Jesus is asking Peter. Kids sometimes play the how much do you love me game. Do you love me this much? Or do you love me this much? Or do you love me this much? That is what Jesus is doing with Peter. Consider the circumstances, beloved. The disciples had been devastated by Jesus' crucifixion and death. All their dreams and their hopes for the future had come crashing down. They had believed that Jesus was the promised Messiah, but they could not understand why Jesus had died. The disciples had received reports about Jesus being raised from the dead. They had seen him on two previous occasions. Yet Peter was still dealing with the guilt of denying his Lord. It's no wonder that this group of disciples went home and that they decided to go fishing. That had been some of their livelihood for many years. 
Jesus was not with them anymore to lead them. They were kind of lost without him. And so they went back to what they knew, to what was familiar. They took their boat out at night and they went fishing. At this point, it would be easy for them to revert to their former way of life, to become fishermen again. Yet the Lord Jesus had a different task for them. The 12 disciples, his followers, would become the 12 apostles. Christ would send them out as his messengers, his ambassadors, to preach the gospel about his death and resurrection, and how true life could only be found in Jesus. But to do that, the disciples needed to make a commitment. Jesus is seeking this commitment from Peter. And from them all. He's asking Peter, do you love me more than all these? Do you love me more than your boats and your nets and your fish? Do you love me more than everything around you? Everything near and dear to your heart? Do you love me this much? Jesus asks Peter the question, do you love me three times? And by the third time Jesus asked this question, Peter was grieved. But it was necessary for Jesus to ask the question three times. For on the night of his betrayal, Peter had three times denied knowing Jesus. The first two times Jesus asked the question, Peter responds, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. The third time Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. How could Jesus know that Peter loved him? As true and eternal God, Jesus is all-knowing. He knew Peter's heart. But that's not what Peter's referring to. In his life, he had shown time and again that he loved the Lord Jesus. We see it in the verses leading up to our text. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was the first to recognize Jesus. It's likely you remember the time when Jesus had first called them. When Jesus sent them fishing in the middle of the day, and they caught such a massive catch, they needed two boats to bring the fish ashore. When John told Peter, it is the Lord, it was Peter who jumped in the water to swim for shore. Despite his sin, Peter's love for Jesus had not waned. He acts, he goes to Jesus because he loves him and he desires communion with him. Beloved, we all need to reflect on the question that Jesus asked Peter. What would you say in response to the question, do you love me above all else? Do you love Jesus more than anything or anyone else? Do you love Jesus more than you love yourself? These are truly hard questions. In this life, it's easy to elevate people or things higher than we should. Our career, our boyfriend or girlfriend, our children or grandchildren, our favorite pastimes, 
Most of us have a hard time denying ourselves, our wants and desires, and making them subordinate to Christ and to his service. But Jesus calls us to love him above all else. This also applies to office bearers. Those who want to serve Jesus Christ in the special offices in the church need to love the Lord Jesus. Do you know why that's important? Because a good shepherd of the flock appoints office bearers to care for his sheep. We see that in the commands Jesus gave Peter when he affirmed his love for him. Jesus said, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. People who care for sheep know that they're often dumb and stubborn and difficult to manage. Jesus knows it's often hard work to care for his people. But he knows that those who love him will also love his sheep. Remember, beloved, what Jesus said in John 10. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus walked the pathway of suffering all the way to the cross. His sheep, his people were so precious to him that he was willing to suffer God's wrath against all our sins and to die that agonizing and that shameful death on a cross. Jesus died to give us life. With his blood, he has bought us to make us his own possession. We belong to him. We're precious to him. Today, Christ, our ascended Lord, cares for his people through elders and deacons. For them to serve well, they need to love Jesus above all else. For if they truly love Jesus, they will love his people and care for them. Deacons are called to take care of and feed Christ's sheep. An integral part of their task is to provide for the poor and needy. Their work proceeds from out of the love of their Savior. Jesus had a deep and abiding concern for his people. When the crowds following him were hungry, he miraculously multiplied a boy's lunch into food for a crowd of more than 5,000 men. Jesus had an eye for those who were weary and burdened, and he sought to give them rest. The deacons are to serve as examples of the flock, of how much Christ loves his flock. The pastors and elders are also called to feed Christ's sheep, not with actual food, but with the bread of life, the word of God. The primary focus of the elders' task is to help us see who Jesus is in all the different situations of our lives. So that we may truly, so that we may learn to truly know him and love him and follow him. Part of the elders' task is also to search for the lost sheep, 
to call back the straying sheep in their care for our spiritual well-being. The elders are to be examples of the love that Jesus has for us. This brings us to our second point. The Good Shepherd provides under-shepherds to ensure that we are well taken care of. We are taken care of men. We are taken care of by men who follow him. In verse 18 of our text, Jesus utters a truly, truly statement. Literally, the Greek says, Amen, Amen. Jesus is indicating that what follows will certainly come to pass. He speaks about Peter's future. He says that when he is old, Peter will stretch out his hands and another will dress him and carry him where he does not want to go. Jesus is speaking about the moment when Peter will be led to his death. He is speaking about how he will be a martyr, one who dies for the sake of his faith in the Lord Jesus. In the history of the Christian church, it is said that Peter was crucified, that he died at Rome. That's what Jesus was telling Peter was that although earlier he had denied knowing Jesus, later in his life his faith would be vindicated. For the time would come when he would be called to deny Jesus as Christ or suffer the consequences. Beloved, it is no wonder that Jesus asked Peter the question, Do you love me three times? That question not only looked back on Peter's denial, it also looked forward to all the struggles and all the hardships Peter would face as apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you love me more than anyone or anything else? If not, Peter would have gone running when he heard Jesus speak about his future. But as Peter had confessed, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus knew Peter was devoted to him and to his service. He knew Peter loved him above all else. After speaking about Peter's martyrdom, Jesus said to Peter, Follow me. Jesus repeats the initial call he made when James and John and Peter and Andrew left behind their fishing boats to become his disciples. By commanding, follow me, Jesus restores Peter to office. Despite his denials, Jesus calls Peter to serve as eye and ear witness of all he had said and done. The call, follow me, is a call for Peter and the other disciples to serve as office bearers in Christ's church. It's a call to devote themselves to serve as apostles, as messengers of the gospel of grace. Christ has issued a similar call to each one of us. In Mark 8, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Each one of us is called to devote our hearts and lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. If we want to be Christ followers, we need to love the Lord Jesus 
We need to follow him. Each of us needs to learn to deny our own will. The things our sinful desire, our sinful nature desires. We need to learn to do what pleases the Lord. To love Christ above anyone and anything else. This call applies particularly to those who are called to serve as pastors, elders, and deacons. If we are to feed Christ's sheep and tend his lambs, we must in the first place be devoted to the good shepherd himself. We need to love Christ with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind. For we will not follow Christ. We will not be faithful and diligent in the offices to which he calls us if we don't love him above all else. Further, if we as office bearers truly love Christ, we will love his sheep. We will love them for we know that they are dear to our Savior. We will love God's people because they were bought with the precious blood of our Savior. And so we see, beloved, how the Good Shepherd ensures that you, his sheep, will be taken care of. Christ calls qualified men to serve in the offices of the church. They are not perfect men. They will not do their work without shortcomings. But they are men who love the Lord and who follow him. Because of this, you may be assured that you will be fed. You will be taken care of. May Christ bestow his grace and spirit upon all whom he calls to serve among us, that they may do so faithfully and fruitfully. And may he help us to receive these men as Christ's representatives and allow them to do their work among us with joy to God's glory and for our benefit. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing together from hymn 56.